Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. We're the guys from That Film Stew and this is our year in review 2020. In this annual special episode, we'll look back at the year that was 2020 in film and TV and let you know what our worst and favourite movies of the year were. What a year. 2020 will go down as just an utter terrible year. Australia was on fire. There were killer hornets. The United States almost tore itself apart with the very important Black Lives Matters movement. The political climate of the world was at a boiling point. And of course, the global pandemic that is COVID-19 was and continues to be a major crisis across the world. There is no denying that 2020 was a shitstorm of a year and one of the worst socially, politically and economically in modern times. Uh, Pushing all of the bigger and more important issues aside on our show, where we live in an enclosed box that talks uh, movies and TV, let's take a look at what we got in 2020. A year unlike any other for film and TV, with theatres forced to close for public safety Countless films were delayed, put out on a streaming service, or pushed back indefinitely. So this year in review should be pretty fun. (laughs) Pre-pandemic and during the worst of it, horror movies managed to survive. I suppose it was the usual smaller budget of horror films without the risk of financial loss. As usual, some good, some great, and some bloody awful. The good, Becky, Antebellum, The Craft Legacy, The Great, The Invisible Man, The Hunt, Freaky, and The Awful, The Grudge, Fantasy Island. Hitting the ground running with the action, big films like Bad Boys for Life and The Gentleman managed to release before the pandemic hit, with Bad Boys becoming the highest grossing US domestic film for the year. Managing to find a release, movies like Honest Thief and Greenland saw the light of day. The biggest kinds of movies of modern cinema, the comic book movies, were scarce in 2020. Vin Diesel's Bloodshot came out and Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn was the only DC film until Wonder Woman 1984 managed to release right before the end of the year. For the first time since 2009, there was no Marvel Cinematic Universe film released. Outrageous. There was a shining period of light uh, where we thought things were returning to normal. Russell Crowe became unhinged. Christopher Nolan's time-twisting Tenet boggled our minds. Bill and Ted finally faced the music and the long-awaited The New Mutants finally came out. (laughs) But it was all a false start as the pandemic raged on and cinemas began to close once again. As the streaming wars raged on and more and more movies headed to streaming instead of theatrical releases. Streaming services such as HBO Max, Amazon, Apple Plus and Disney Plus provided us with a method of watching Greyhound, Palm Springs, An American Pickle, The Witches, Borat, subsequent movie film and the much-anticipated live-action Mulan. It was Netflix, however, that continued to churn out content Titles such as Spencer Confidential, Coffee and Kareem, Extraction, The Old Guard, Project Power, The Wrong Missy, The Lovebirds, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, Enola Holmes, Hoobie Halloween, and more. 
And lastly, the kids were not left unentertained with an assortment of flicks for them, including Doolittle, Sonic the Hedgehog, Onward, Trolls World Tour, Scoob, Artemis Fowl, My Spy, the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run, Godmothered, and Soul. On a positive note, TV has been able to thrive um, and has never been better. No, I'm not talking about Tiger King. With the movie world intermittently on pause, television kept pumping. Network television continued to do its thing whilst the streaming wars raged on. Tiger King was excellent. I had a good time. Did you watch time. it? I gave it two yeah. episodes. Nice. I gave it two episodes and I was like... Hey, I, I, I even watched the bonus episode where it was John McHale like, presenting from a studio. I, I was all in on Tiger King. Um, wow, that... A few movies did come out this year. I, when I was getting ready to to prep the show, I was like scratching my head, thinking, "What actually came out?" Because this, as we've said, is not a standard year. Much less movies came out. But at the beginning uh, of our intro, there, it was like we're doing the news. We've never <laughs> sounded so serious on the podcast. It was a before. serious year. It was a serious yes, year, definitely. And obviously, worth worth noting. But yeah, it's just well, look, a lot of people like have been stuck at home. Some forced, some just by choice. Um, you know, we've been pretty lucky here in Australia and here on this side of the country as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, we still had some time at home. There was still a lot of television to watch. Um, I wish there was a lot more that I was able to check out. I know there were some really great shows that I just haven't had the time to get to um, things happening in, in our lives that have sort of kept me busy. So, <laughs> um, but no TV is as, as like I said, has never been, has never been better. It really hasn't. Like I'm a bit slow to this show, but I've just started as recent as yesterday, the flight attendant. Yeah. Another one on my list. Like, you know, it's not based on any sort of, major property that I'm aware of. It's, it, it's it based, interesting. It's based on a book. It's Greg Belanti producing, you know, he's the guy behind all the CW shows, all the arrow flash and all of that. But this is very much a more adult show. It's, it's excellent. And I didn't know too much going into it. And I'm really glad because in my mind, I had an idea of what it was going to be. And just two episodes in, or even the pilot, you quickly realize, wow, this is actually a lot more than what I was thinking it was going to be. And I'm thoroughly, <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, so look, it's quite, on my list. There's, I can't quite there's... recommend it as part of my <laughs> Not yet. review because I'm just two episodes in and I, I'm watching it this year. I imagine if we did this show in like three months' time, my, my list of you know recommends and you know, my best selves and stuff would be very different there's a whole bunch of shows i still got to watch watchmen um umbrella academy gotta catch up on uh doom patrol like there's heaps that i just know are gonna be quality that is a good point watchmen did come out last year didn't it it was last year right i think you're right but you know what i've prepped the show now so there's no turning back too late <laughs> i did forget <laughs> Watchmen, and I'll say it now, excellent television. Like a really, really, a really good show. But, again, but not on your list. Not on your list. That's, I've, spent that's too, <laughs> I've spent too much time already. I am not making any, any revisions. So overall, following the amazing and successful year that was 2019, 
2020 was a mixed bag of a smaller portion than what we have grown accustomed to. Whether you were able to venture out to a cinema or watch it at home whilst the world was socially distancing, 2020 was truly a bonkers year. And for all the wrong reasons, it will definitely be a year that will be remembered. As always, we want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to the people who have made this year a success for us. Neil Wyasinga, we give him a shout out every year. But years ago, he designed the logos for all three shows. That Film Stew, Sounds Like Comics, Rewind and Review. So although we're still using those original designs that he did, we just like to give him a shout out. Give him the credit. Thanks, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> the Dead White Males. This is how long we've been doing the show. They were a band and they allowed us to use some of their music as part of our intro. But during the podcast, they're no longer together. So the band have split, but you can still find their music available online. So thanks, guys. Specifically, Adam. Now, Adam started with the podcast doing a couple of guest spots on Sounds Like Comics. And, and he was the contact that I had with Dead White Males. And because of him, we were able to get in contact with them and use some of their music. Adam has since gone on to start his own podcast, the Oversized New York Apartments podcast. It's a show and it's set up as which show is better, Friends or Seinfeld. Two icons, one winner. The ultimate debate is potentially going to be settled once and for all. The guys are going strong with the podcast. So as well as listening to this podcast, go check out theirs. Yeah. We'll still come back to ours. And then Absolutely. also <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Jay and Gareth. Uh, Jay especially is still a regular co-host on Sounds Like Comics. Uh, Nathan is still doing a few episodes with us. We've got something in the pipeline. And Rob, your co-host. I'll let you thank Rob. Oh, thanks, Rob. Yeah. No, um, Rewind Good. and Review, I mean, we're, we're still doing that. Um, you know, every now and then we we bring Luke on board as well. But, you know, essentially two-man band, me and him over there. So, um, yeah, can't really do it without him. He brings an interesting voice to the uh, to the party. So it's always good to have a different flavor in um, in old Rob. And, you know, you know, it's cool to just have something different. So I appreciate his commitment and efforts. And sometimes he's more enthused than me to get a show put together. So that's always good motivation as well. It's a good show. I listen. The Wives. We've got to thank The Wives. We're only sat here tonight <laughs> doing this show because The Wives have allowed it. So not that they listen. Thanks, Wives. Yeah. I mean, we've had to do it at like, you know, as late as possible in the evening, so it doesn't affect their day in any <laughs> any way whatsoever. But yeah, I appreciate their uh, allowance, I guess. <laughs> that is true. Anyway, that's the thank yous out the out the way. Uh, let's <laughs> let's get on with the show because it's usually a big one. Um, as always, we will start off with best TV of 2020. I mean, not always 2020. This is the first time, obviously, but we'll start off with. <laughs> The best, the best TV. I'm first. I'm also hosting, and I'm first. But this is the way you put it together. So we'll just. Oh, um, well, the the way the show's prepped, you're first every time. So if you want to mix it up at any point, just just go. Okay, okay. I um, may not remember. Um, okay, so we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna do our top three 
uh, starting with number three. You know, I think how we've done it in the past, we've alternated, haven't we? We could have maybe had this conversation off air. Maybe. I think, you know what, I think we have this conversation on air yeah. every year. Yeah. Five years now, I think we yeah. <laughs> Or the four, so, four years that we've two done it. Sorry if you've now. been listening all that time. Um, so what do you want to do? What do we normally decide? Well, let's, let's alternate then. Let's, okay. Okay. We'll do number threes and then we'll do number twos, whatever. Okay, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll still go first. I'll go Ghosts. It's a show that I've talked about. I know I have. Maybe even recently on the podcast, uh, but putting the list together. I was thinking of shows that I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. And again, disclaimer, I forgot about Watchmen. Maybe that would have been on this list, but it is not. <laughs> but number, th- number three for me, Ghosts, season two, here in Australia, like the whole series is available on ABC iView. It is excellent. The series follows a collection of ghosts from different historical periods haunting a country house while sharing the house with its new living occupants. The series is written and performed by many of the cast members of Horrible Histories. It's just a funny show. It is, it, it, it's, it's so good. Every single episode, there's something that I love about it. And it's why it's on this list. It's one that my wife and I, just sit down and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. Number three for me, it was a toss-up between this and what we do in the shadows season two. But Ghosts just has it beat for me. That's. I mean, I know how much you love what we do in the shadows. So to put this above that, that's it's a big call. It just came down to the fact that every single episode of Ghosts is excellent. And for the most part, what we do in the shadows is excellent. But anyway, I don't mean to compare the shows, but Ghosts is, <laughs> is my number three, but it was close. Now, fair enough. Uh, my number three, I'm going with Lovecraft Country. Um, season one is what I'm calling it. I don't know if there is uh, any more kind of wraps up so i don't know what what they're doing with it going forward um stars jonathan majors and uh, journey smollett this is a horror drama series developed by misha green it's based on the 2016 novel by matt ruff Uh, basically a young man travels across the segregated 1950s united states um, in search of his missing father learning of dark secrets plaguing a town on which famous horror writer hp lovecraft supposedly based the location of many of his fictional tales um i was unsure what this show kind of was even after the first two three episodes um but then by the fourth one i was like okay i get it now it's like it's like an anthology series per like individual episodes it's like something completely different thematically by the end of it it's all one thing you're following the same group of characters but just the adventures that they go on like there's an episode that's like like you have one episode where there's like a, you know, like it's gruesome and there's like body gore and stuff. And then the next episode, it's like an Indiana Jones adventure. It's crazy. I don't know if you've uh, checked this out, but it's definitely one to get started or get into in 2021. Yeah, no, I've watched it. Watched the whole thing. Really All right. enjoyed it. And, and you're right. It does play like a anthology series. Only you, you've got one through line story. So as you say, you've got an episode and it's it's all about body horror. And then you've got a haunted house 
episode. It's it's a lot of fun. I really, really did enjoy it. And I didn't know too much yeah, going into it. But I, I, yeah, it's a good show. Really good show. Like the, the, the sci-fi elements, the, the horror, and then even like the socio-political stuff that's in there. Like it, it, it hits those themes and it, it delivers stuff really well. Like it's an eye-opener. And, and sometimes I'm sitting there, I was just like, no, nah, this couldn't, like this couldn't have been how it was. And you look into it and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this actually isn't the fictional stuff. This is... Hey, this is the real stuff, and that's yes, just like Watchmen, like things happening, and then you're like, oh shit, like this. Yeah, it's there's elements where it's like, historical. If you wanted accurate. to talk about Watchmen, you had your chance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had your chance. Oh, I know. Honestly, I can't. I can't believe I um I forgot about Watchmen, a show I didn't forget about though. Number two on my list, Star Trek Picard season one, streaming on Prime Video. Right, if I remember correctly. Uh, year in review last year it was one of my most anticipated shows and lived up to it it really (laughs) did you've got Patrick Stewart back as Picard reprising his role from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation as well as other Star Trek media it's it's a solid it's a solid show it's tonally it's different but he and, you know, obviously Patrick Stewart is a lot older than when he last played Picard, but the essence of the character is still there. And it is so much fun to spend more time in that world. Because, you know, we've got Next Gen continuing on the big screen across four movies, but seeing Picard back on TV is absolutely fantastic. And there's so many nice surprises in there. Like original cast members return. If people have not seen it, I don't want to spoil it. But it's it, it does a very good job of paying respect to what's come before and at the same time paving its own way. Like It, it, it very much is its own show, but still feels like Star Trek. Yeah, I went into I went into it. I, I did it. I gave it a couple episodes. I didn't stop for any reason. I guess to do with the show. I think I just got distracted and kind of just like forgot about it. Again, it's another one that I've got to get back into. And because what I those first two episodes, I was like, wow, they like you said, very different. But it's like this is very cool at the same time. So just to revisit that character and catch up with old friends. Yeah, it's it really is excellent. We know that Stuart has signed on for three seasons. But I looked online today, like there's no release date for season two. And I know in the US you've got CBS All Access that's making all this Star Trek content. And then here in Australia, we kind of just need to wait and see where it's released. So you got, I mentioned, you know, Picard is available on Prime. Prime's also getting Star Trek Lower Decks, an animated comedy for Star Trek. <laughs> that comes out January 22nd. But then Discovery is on Netflix. And that would have been my assumption for Picard. That would also go to Netflix. So they're kind of getting moved around and released at different places. Because it's whoever, whoever wants to pay for it, I guess. But we don't, we don't know when Picard season two's coming. Now, whether that's due to COVID, I don't know. Whether there's you know, other reasons for it being delayed. But I thought we'd have had some news by now. Yeah, so many things up in the air. Um, my number two, I'm giving to The Boys, season two. Um, you're probably familiar from after that first season. Carl Urban, Jack Quaid, Anthony Starr, Aaron Moriarty. Um, and we've even got Aya Rachel Cash as uh, 
new character Stormfront. So this superhero series developed by Eric Kripke is based on the comic book of the same name by uh, Gareth Ennis and Derek Robinson. So the boys season two, it continues, uh, well, the boys continue their efforts to defeat Vought. Um, in spite of being wanted by the government, Butcher learns Vought is holding his wife, Becca, captive with a superpowered son fathered by Homelander. Um, as I mentioned, a new member of the Seven Stormfront promotes her white supremacist message, seeking to have Homelander lead the superpowered to world domination. Much like, you know, Lovecraft Country, this is taking real world, very serious, true issues and then disguising them in this in this like superhero caper type show and it's full on it's violent it's crude it's rude like i mean superhero sex never thought i'd really see that on screen and there it is it was it was full on great show I've just realized that when we're doing our picks, uh, our approaches are very different. I'm coming from a position of assuming people know what the show's about and give them no oh. context <laughs> if people don't know. But, you know, Ghosts and Picard, I'm sure. You know, if you're unfamiliar... No, you ex- you, you explain both shows. You explain oh, them. you get into it. You're really... My next one, I'm going to ah. get into it a little bit more. I wrote some notes. I wrote some notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you clearly had more time than me. I still... I haven't finished season two. I think I've got three or four episodes to go... I watched and enjoyed that first season. I'd read the graphic novels previously and I had been watching season two. I just, it's one of those shows where if I stop for any reason, I guess like you were talking about with Picard, it's hard to come back to it. But I'm going to that. I'm going to catch up. Get it, get it done. Like this, the season wraps up pretty, as you would expect, you're just like, Phew, edge of my seat sort of stuff. And it's cool. I mean, like, these shows, like the budget is up there. They're, they're doing things that the show's polished like a movie. Like they look. Yeah, I agree. Looks yeah. good. Um, and just the boundaries that they can push. It's. I don't. I mean, they're, watch they're definitely it pushing in, those boundaries. I don't watch it and have things I necessarily dislike about it. I don't know. There's just something about it. I found it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We just I'll found own. ourselves, you know, it's available on Amazon Prime. We just found ourselves putting it on. And then every day it was like, oh, let's do another one. Let's See, that's the thing. I, I don't have that because I'll, pretty much everything I'm going to be talking about, or most things I'm talking about here, more so TV, my wife doesn't watch. Well, that's not true because she watches Ghosts, but shows like The Boys, uh, Picard, I need to find time to watch those shows. Whereas your wife likes a lot of the same things. So it's easier to have time to sit down. But anyway, that's another conversation. My... Or does that make it harder for me? Oh, it, it, <laughs> okay yeah i can i can see that as well like wanting to really just i had that with cobra kai season three but anyway that's um another conversation my <laughs> my number one pick it's probably no surprise like it's no surprise to me the mandalorian season two disney plus before i let you explain it all and stuff i'll just say it I've also gone number one, The Mandalorian, just to keep everyone. It's really good. Well, let me just say, though, if people are unfamiliar, the second season of The Mandalorian stars Pedro Pascal as the title character, a bounty hunter trying to return the child to his people, the Jedi. There you go. Talks about That's what like exactly was what I had written down. That's exactly what I had <laughs> There you go. It's, I, um, I just spoke with Jay on an episode of Sounds Like Comics for over an hour. 
about season two, and it's actually going to be released ahead of this episode. I loved it. Every every minute of it, it oh man, it was it was incredible. And we don't want to talk spoilers just in case, although if you listen to this podcast, you have definitely seen the Mandalorian season two, but just in case, I don't want to spoil that special surprise we got <laughs> in the, the rescue episode. But this is an episode that went from or well, season, shall I say, went from strength to strength. When we got to I think it was around maybe episode maybe it was episode uh, four or five, and it was the one directed by Carl Weathers. And the action in that episode was incredible. It was like so much action. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, potentially the season's peaked with its action because that was incredible. Can they really yeah, beat it? They've run out of money. They've run out of but money. then <laughs> we got the Robert Rodriguez episode with Boba Fett, and then we got the season two finale. Like, I loved season one. But season two is just next level. That's what's interesting. It's like with season one, I don't, I don't know if you remember like my thoughts on it, but you know, I'd watched it, I'd enjoyed it, but I was like, yeah, no, like it kind of in the middle of the season, it was like sort of fell a bit flat, and I was like, okay, didn't really know what direction they were going in. But at the end of it, I was like, all right, that was really cool. Like, I was like, they really did a good job, but I didn't love it. This season, though, from that first episode with um, Timothy Oliphant you know, guest starring in that, what was it, almost, was it an hour-long episode or something? It, it was, It was like, I was yeah. like, this is like a movie, like full-on. Every episode following, I was like, good, great episode, great episode, followed by a great episode. Just consistently all 12 episodes or eight? Eight. Or Both whatever yeah, so it was. All together across two seasons. We've 16, had 16, isn't it? Episodes. Total 16. Yeah, yeah that's right. So all eight episodes fantastic like just just excellent um yeah like that that final episode like, amazing but everything it's, beforehand yeah. as well was <laughs> I know. great it's it's hard not to talk about that final episode but i did last night when i did the, did the podcast yeah, so you've done it you've yeah yes yeah, so i don't want to spoil it twice just in case <laughs> people know <laughs> i I'm, that's okay. yeah i know and i i just we'd spend too much time just talking about it we can move on to most anticipated TV of 2021 and maybe you can go first. All right. So with both my choices, I'm definitely cheating in some sort of way. Um, for number two, I'm cheating in a way that I guess we've kind of already seen this, but I want to see more of it. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I was so utterly... It's a wow. miniseries. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, yeah, okay. okay. I, was, I was so utterly disappointed with that Justice League movie, half directed by Zack Snyder, half directed by Joss Whedon. Not to blame either of them, but we got the result that we got and it was, <laughs> yeah. I just did not like that movie. It was not great, not good. Um, here we're getting an opportunity. This is, a, this is a project that fans cried out for, you know, like there was a movement to get this happening. And if not for HBO Max... Like there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a platform for for this um, for this product. They've decided to make it happen. They're spending lots of money on it. They're finishing this. They're expanding it. They're making Zack Snyder's vision sort of come together. I think we're going to get the true, uh, uh, I guess, end of the Zack Snyder's trilogy, starting with Man of Steel, then Batman v Superman, and and now 
his uh, Justice League miniseries. So I'm going to treat it like a movie though when, when I watch it. But for all intents and yeah, purposes, me too. It, yeah, it's a series. We're going yeah, to get what? it as a series. I, um, so. I'm glad that you that you went first because that's a bit of a curveball, and I'm really <laughs> looking forward to that as you can imagine. Yeah, for it sure. wasn't even on my radar as an option when it I was wasn't like, something. It was like I, I had another pick, and then at the last, like almost today, I was like, "Hang on a second. I mean, that's a great <laughs> one. I'm really, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you brought that up. My number two. I'm going to get to see it in three days, but it's something I'm generally curious <laughs> about and looking forward to. Not servant. Season two, although I am really looking forward to that. My number two, WandaVision, season one. <laughs> yes. That's it. I mean, what's more to say? Everybody knows I mean, what it is. We've all seen unique, the TV it's spots, be very different. the posters. But if you're unfamiliar, living, idealized, suburban lives, superpowered beings, Wanda and Vision begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. So they're essentially living in a sitcom, but then it's going to move through the years. And that's based on what we've seen in the spots, uh, the posters. And I've heard as well, there's going to be fake commercials. So it is like watching TV. I'm really yeah, I heard that as well. interested. There'll be, but there'll be like, it'll be like a commercial for like Hydra or something. And it's somehow in the commercials, there's like there's clues to what's going on or clues for the characters and we, I'm just really, really curious about this. And we get the first two episodes on the 15th of January. And then it's going to be... Will this episode have been posted by that time? Oh, good point, actually. This episode is going out on the 15th. <laughs> so the same so, day. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> so you've either watched WandaVision before this or you've, you've people listened would have. to this first. But no, like, people would yeah, have. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I was fair. just going to say that I'll be watching WandaVision before listening to this, but that's inaccurate because I'll be editing this before it goes out. <laughs> I yeah. will definitely be watching WandaVision first. Oh, thank you. <laughs> WandaVision, yeah, my number two. Marvel Studios' first TV, uh, first TV series. Well, I want to tell you, just on that, I want to tell you why I'm going to sort of be cheating with my number one pick because I want to point oh, out... You kind of cheat with number two, but okay. <laughs> Settle down. It wasn't even a cheat. It wasn't even it a cheat. Wasn't. It wasn't. More, more of a curveball. I mean, it's a movie that's split into parts. But, but okay. With number one, with number one, I will pick one, but I just want to point out all of the Marvel Studios TV series coming out in 2021. You've already mentioned one division. We've also got The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye. There's even that animated What If show. Um, I'm basically looking forward to all of that. Uh, I've been paying for my Disney Plus subscription for over a year now. I've got two seasons of Mandalorian, that Jeff Goldblum show. Incredible. That's about it. Noel. <laughs> God, I mean, Soul was pretty Soul. good. Soul was pretty, I, um, Soul was on, pretty good. Disney Plus is, is on a fair amount in my house, having two young girls. But um, yeah. if it was just me, though, like my yeah, I'm very much in line with you. What I would actually watch and what I have watched it's not as it's much as shows. I watch other streaming services. But yeah, this, this but, is why we have it. But this year, we're going to get almost almost back-to-back Marvel shows, one after the other. I mean, I'm sure there will be a bit of a break between each one. But um, And look, if I was to pick one of them, if not WandaVision, I mean, it is so close. So my anticipation is like, you know, it's there, but it, it's, it's so close. I'm going to go with The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I feel like that 
connectivity to you know the Captain America films, which I think could be the best trilogy out of all the the individual trilogies of the the MCU. Um, so yeah, the Captain America connection to it. Yeah, Winter I Soldier, think Falcon. Yeah, and, and it looks great. I think tonally, it really tonally, it's it's what where I'm probably we're most familiar with in terms of the MCU. It um, is, and that's obviously going to be that yeah. wacky thing. And Loki's that's why I'm leaning like, uh, leaning towards Wonder Vision more. Just the fact that it's it's not what we've seen from Marvel previously. We're going to get something a little bit different. I think after a year, over a year of no MCU stuff. Like I think a little bit of familiar familiarity, although new, is is healthy. I think. And look, you've already picked one division, so I'm just going to say the next one up: the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But look, Loki, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye. Like we're starting to see, you know, like yeah, little set images and stuff like that come come through online. Like they're all coming together. It's all really there. Excited. Hawkeye. All there. The other Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. Pizza dog, it's all there. Listen from the pages <laughs> of Matt Fraction's Hawkeye comic. I'm really looking forward to Hawkeye. You know, they they really they dropped the ball in that first Avengers film with Hawkeye. They really did. But Age of Ultron, I saw clips because I, let's let's talk quickly, a little sidebar. Marvel Legends. <laughs> oh, I'm what not, a waste of Oh mate. Seven oh, minutes each. I've not done the Vision one yet, but I did the Wonder one. And you see that clip of like Clint giving her the speech in Age of Yeah, Ultron. if you go out there, you're an Avenger now. It's so Pretty good. epic. Like, it, it really yeah, is. It, like, is. It, it really, really is. So they, they managed to fix, for me, Hawkeye from Age of Ultron moving forward. And he's always a good moment since. So I'm happy that he's got his own show and he's got Mini Hawkeye in Kate Bishop. Should be fun. My number one shouldn't surprise you. It's a DC show. Not a returning show. A new show. And I am so excited to have Superman back on the small screen. Of course, I'm talking about Superman and Lois. Reprising the role of Superman from Supergirl, the Arrow crossovers. We've got Tyler Hecklin as Lois Lane, Elizabeth Tullock. Yeah, I'm keen. The series will be set in the Arrowverse, sharing continuity with other TV shows in in the franchise. So we could still see this Superman show up in other shows. But you know what? I don't care about any of that. Just give me Superman on TV, and I'm happy with that. We've got a mystery here as well. He's got two kids. And we knew of one kid previously from when he was in Supergirl and all the crossovers. But when... Crisis on Infinite Earths happened and the worlds were reset. We find out in the closing moments that Superman and Lois have two kids and one of them didn't exist previously. So there's a mystery going on there as well. But I'm, again, you know, growing up a massive fan of Dean Kane, Lois and Clark, the new adventure of Superman, just the idea of having a weekly Superman show again has me very excited. Yeah, it's like it's like you have all these DC characters with their own show, um, and I mean, I, at first it was sort of like, look, if they've got a big screen counterpart, they don't have a show. But then it's like, you know, we've got the Flash. There's a Flash movie That's coming. It. It's, you know, not, it's all yeah. It it's used like to be that a thing. Is it a thing anymore? Not really. Now they no. don't care. I mean, back in the so early days, it, early days of Arrow, like when 
like the first Suicide Squad movie was about to happen, the CW were basically told there's certain characters you can't use on TV because we want them for the big screen. And it was still happening then. And that was only like a few yeah. years ago. But you're right, it's pretty much not a thing now. You can have Superman on the big screen, small screen. We're getting that Flash movie still. The show's still going strong on TV. But a Superman like, TV show has me excited. And if, if, if they're going to the do, if they're going to give, if they're give <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, I hated better. it. I so hated much better. It. But yeah, if they're going to, if they're going to give every DC character a show, Superman deserves one. So that is pretty exciting. It's just because you've done your number one, haven't you? I'm crossing my wires here. Your number <laughs> one was Falcon. You're losing the track. Soldier. And it's, it's early days. We've got a lot more shows to get through. Okay, uh, <laughs> best movie poster of 2020. I'll take the lead on this one. Like I said earlier, having less movies to talk about, it does make it a little bit harder. And I found that again yeah. with movie posters because normally, like, but what, three times the amount of movie posters we had to look through for this segment? <laughs> a, lo- a lot less. But the one that I ended up picking, and it's a movie that I bloody loved. It's not quite in my top three for the year, but it, it was close. Palm Springs. Oh, okay. okay. Andy Samberg, it's him with the girl in the pool. Such a cool poster. And the movie itself, again, is, is really incredible. So the film follows Niles and Sarah stuck in a time loop and reliving the same wedding day over and over again. The, uh, the, the company that put the poster together, Legion Creative Group, puts them in the same pool and the same road that they always seem to find themselves in or on. So it's, if you look at the, the depth of the poster, it's going to a point, but it's constantly repeating the pool and the road. It's really cool. Oh, wow. I think I'm going to stare at that poster a little bit. Just have a look at it. You can stare at it for hours. But it's, it's <laughs> a great poster. And yeah, I, I found I was really lacking Marvel posters of big faces and people punching people, <laughs> what we normally get. Like that's but this was a, a good thing, right? This, um, this was a really cool poster, and, um, and I really wanted to mention the movie as well. Excellent. Originally in the US on Hulu, but here in Australia, it's a Prime Video exclusive release. All right, so the, the poster I'm going with, um, it's a movie that I also, it, it didn't quite make my top three, um, but I wanted to go with this poster or this, uh, there's a series of posters actually, there's about four, I think, four or five of them. The Five Bloods, uh, Spike Lee directed film. Uh, this poster is called Psychedelicide. Um, it's by Gravelus and Associates. They're the, the artists, I guess, that put together these posters and put together this one. Um, Defy Bloods, the war drama film, directed, produced, and co-written by Spike Lee. Uh, the film's plot follows a group of uh, four aging Vietnam War veterans who return to the country in search of the remains of their fallen squad leader, who is played by Chadwick Boseman. Um, as well as the treasure they buried while serving there. So this poster, pretty epic. Um, Luke, I've sent it to you so you can check it out. And just in case you haven't seen it, just the artwork, the colours, the usage, the the imagery that's on there. Um, it's it's intense. Um, out of all the all the posters I looked through for the 2020 movies, um, 
this poster and even the other ones that they had, these were the most artistic, the most creative and the ones that this poster in particular, the, the psychedelicide or whatever it's called, is one that stood out the most to me as something unique. I mean, how often do we see posters that just all look the same? You know, how many times can you yeah. just put a bunch of heads on Again, a poster? Floating heads. Marvel are good at it. Terrible, floating heads. Terrible. I mean, they, they do them well, but, you know. Like, they do, they do. Nothing... But there's still a lot of floating heads. And, and then I mean, something like this comes along. And I'm glad you, like I say, you did send it through. I had seen this poster before, but there were a few that they put out there. But yeah, it's a great poster. Great use of colour. Yeah, this was the this is the best one out of the the, the five blood set. So, so if you but if you do check out the rest of them, just just Google the five blood posters and like you'll I see mean, more. they're all really creative, this, all really cool. At this point, I've not even seen the movie. So yeah, first I'll see the posters <laughs> and I will check out the movie. I know it's on Netflix and um, I'll I'll give it a watch. Let's see it. Let's see it. And Chadwick Boseman in the movie as well. I mean, let's take this moment to obviously uh, mention him as well. One of the other terrible things that happened in um, in 2020. Um, I don't know if we have a. Do we have it? We don't have a segment at the end of this show with. I guess we don't know, but we missed. did. We did speak at length about the passing of Chadwick Boseman on an episode of uh, Movie Show um, not long after he passed. But yeah, I, it came as a shock, and when we we found found out what he'd been going through, you know, pretty much his whole time at Marvel, and he just kept battling on, and unfortunately passed at such a young such a young age. Here's another movie that of his that you can check out, um, and it comes with a cool poster or cool posters. So yeah, very cool. There we go. I will. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. It has been. It has been on my list. There's a few of his movies that I'm still looking to get to. I recently watched 21 Bridges. That was all right. And, you know, he's, he's got more that, um, that I yeah. will get to in, in this movie. Not as good. Sure. Not as good, that one. <laughs> it was I, all right. I expected it. I expected it. was it. fine. It was, I mean, yeah. the, the movie was what they told us in the title. There is 21 Bridges. Let's move <laughs> on, then. Let's move on uh, to... Best movie, movie score, theme, music of 2020. Do you want me to take the lead on this one? Yeah, you can do. I don't mind. This, this movie just scraped in, or this, this, um, this score. It was released December 16th. <laughs> right? Okay. It's, it's Wonder Woman 1984. Not the whole score, but there's so many memorable tracks on there and when we did our review of 1984 i spoke specifically about track one themascara and it is absolutely incredible and there's some really good other tracks on there as well i was looking back on the year and it's the i think what soundtracks or scores have i gone back to to really listen to and again this one only just was released this uh, last year 2020 but it's it's the one for me. Um, I've listened to it many times over on Spotify. It, it's it's a great it's a great score. But it's Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is one of the best composers working today. I remember when he did Batman v Superman. He said, "That's it. I am done. No more comic book movies." But of course, <laughs> that didn't last. He did X Men: Dark Phoenix and. Wonder Woman 1984. Interestingly, though, 
he didn't do the first movie. That was Rupert Gregson Williams. But we still get the electric cello. Yeah, like he did do um, like Batman v Superman with Wonder Woman's score, right? With Junkie it XL. Did. It, it did, but they he wasn't the person playing the instrument at that time. I don't know if she's come back. But yes, so he was there for the origin of what we now know as the Wonder Woman theme. Uh, Still very cool. <laughs> but the score, it's just, it's excellent. And it, it really is. And uh, excellent. Now you're speaking of, I, I did contemplate Bill and Ted face the music. And, <laughs> and when I say contemplate more, I revisited it just to, just to have a, a listen and a feel for it. Ahead of the movie's release, I did actually buy from iTunes the Weezer track. And it's fine. So, no Bill and Ted. I <laughs> I pick best of the year, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. No, that's a that's a fair pick. And after our review of Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, you know, you mentioned that that track one, Themyscira, and I went back, like I went onto Spotify and I checked out the the soundtrack. And you're right, like that first track, it's the opening score for the uh, for the movie, and it's like that is it is like the best part. That and it's then right. Like, the bit when we first get to the eighties and it's, you know, one of them is doing a super space and stuff like that track's also pretty cool. Um, but that, yeah, that Themyscira, it's just, it's the best track for me. It's just like on the whole it's, school. It's got like a magic to it that it's like, whoa, you know, it's like a reboot of Themyscira. It's like, we're yeah, going there for the yeah. first time again. And you're right. As oh. well as it being the music for Themyscira. When the game, we get the logo, Warner Brothers, DC, all of that. It's, that's the music that's playing. So it, it feels like Wonder Woman, and it's such a strong track. So it's that track say, in particular that's the main reason why I'm picking this score. I think because of the lack of, I guess, big movies that came out, we didn't really get those big triumphant sort of um, you know theatrical scores that we'd normally or normally be able to like enjoy and play with. So like I agree, Wonder Woman was up there with probably having one of the best. Uh, scores of the year um but i guess you know the competition wasn't really there so i didn't actually go with a with a score for um uh, my best music uh for the year what i did was i went with i guess a soundtrack i guess uh so i went to a, a musical movie and i think i just wanted to bring this movie up again because it was such a surprise to me and uh just me enjoying this movie so much more than i guess i expected to Eurovision Song Contest, <laughs> the story of Fire oh, Saga. You made me so happy. <laughs> the score, the score is done yeah, yeah. by um, Orvison, um, but we've got heaps of songs by countless artists, countless Eurovision stars, but Will Ferrell, um, and I guess standing in as the vocals, or for the most part, the vocals of uh, Rachel McAdams is Molly Sandon. Or also known as My Marian. So Eurovision, we did our review of it. It's a musical comedy directed by David Dobkin. Uh, the film follows Icelandic singers Lars Eriksson and Sigrid Eriksdottir, so Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, as they are given the chance to represent their country at the Eurovision Song Contest. A handful of songs. Uh, my favourite, of course, Ya Ya Ding Dong. Just, just, <laughs> just great. I'm, I'm not even yeah, joking. Yeah. Like, fantastic. Nice. It, it, it is, it's a good, funny song. Like, it plays perfectly every single time. I really like the opening track. I can't remember the name of it now. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. Volcano Man? Yes. 
Yeah, like, there's, there's Volcano Man. Oh, man, he's double it is trouble. so good. Yeah, Volcano there's Man. Even, there's even, like, that big, like, uh, they call it Song Along, where, you know, you've got heaps of the Eurovision stars yes. and Will Ferrell sort of dancing and singing and uh, putting a whole bunch of songs together. And then there's that finale song where, you know, they sing at the competition. I can't remember the name of that one. For some reason, I didn't write that one down. But, like, an amazing track. Like, it, as a standalone just song, like, that's a really well-crafted, put-together song. Like, there's... I mean, Will Ferrell's on the track, but, you know, if you didn't know any better, you think it was a legitimate song hitting the charts 100% serious. Like, it, it's crazy how the movie blends the the comedy and then... It's the real music. Like, it, it's really quality. So I'm going Honestly, with it. Honestly, you... Best music 2020. Eurovision. You've, um, you've made me so happy. <laughs> like, having that is, um, is your pick. And what a great contrast to Hans Zimmer. Wonder Woman 84. But Eurovision, <laughs> I, I had so much fun with that movie. And we, we both had, you know, gave a positive review of that film. And you being someone who's been on record many times, not necessarily the biggest fan of Will Ferrell, but there's something about this movie and i thoroughly enjoyed it and yes great soundtrack, great soundtrack. <laughs> amazing okay so most overrated movie of 2020 i'll let you go first i um, right. this is probably the one that i spent more time on than any other category so I'm curious. <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's hard to pick it. I mean, the as you know, the idea of like what does overrated mean? It's you know, like critics, audiences love the movie so much, and I just disagreed with them all. Um, and the one I felt that got the most love that didn't deserve it, I think, was The Old Guard. Um, you know, that movie on Netflix, directed by Gina Prince. Bythewood. This movie is based on the comic book of the same name by Greg Rucker and stars Charlize Theron and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, follows a team of immortal mercenaries on a revenge miss- mission. Sounds fantastic. Um, it did receive generally positive reviews. I think Rotten Tomatoes has it at 80%, Metacritic 70 out of 100. Um, and usually, when you know, people have been talking about you know their top movies for the year and a lot of people are starting uh, mentioning like the old garden. Oh, I just didn't get it. It did not work for me at all. We did our review. I didn't have that many glowing things to say about it. So I just don't understand the hype. Wasn't for me, I guess. I thought so I enjoyed it. More negative. I um, yeah. thought I enjoyed it. I really yeah, enjoyed I disagree. the old garden. I disagree. <laughs> I, I'm at a point of reading the graphic novel beforehand, just so I'd have a bit more of a feel for the world. And yeah, I I enjoyed the movie. So take my pick as a pinch of salt. I'm being very reactive to the fact that I watched this movie and I will tell you what the movie is. I watched it on the big screen. We reviewed it. And I'm pretty confident I came in at around a four, I think. I'd have to okay. go back and listen. So um, are you saying for for this movie, even you so the overrated movie, it? The movie that I'm picking... <laughs> is the second viewing it's a saturday night just gone i watched it with my wife and it was her first time watching it and i enjoyed the beginning the middle and the end just bored me i'm talking it's gonna be a bit controversial i think talking about tenet oh yeah for sure familiar directed by christopher nolan (laughs) 
<laughs> Everybody knows Tenet. Did you give it a four, I, did you? I think I did. I, I think I No, did. I don't think you... I think we were both about, like, we were middle ground. Were we, we were, like, threes we and stuff. Okay. I, I seem to remember a four, but I also... No, remember. we were pretty... We were pretty bland on it. Okay, we were like, okay. Okay, so we're maybe excited. Maybe I'm not blooded. Too big of an idiot then. But I was thinking I'm you know, <laughs> one of the biggest movies of the year. And I'm like, oh yeah. But I guess it's fitting the the category, you know, most overrated. That, that it, first yeah, time. It, I think it's because like again, the rewatch, the beginning, the middle, I'm there for it. It's still exciting. There's things happening. And when it's all Kenneth Branagh and he's the big bad and it just Maybe I watched it too close that first time. I don't know, but I found it. I was just waiting for it to end. I was speaking to uh, Jay, who you know I mentioned before, has been on Sounds Like Comics many times, and he's seen it three times and loved it each time. So he really, yeah. he really likes it. There's an audience for it. I looked it up on I mean, Rotten Tomatoes, seventy percent. That's currently currently where it's sitting i'm not necessarily saying it's a bad movie it's well crafted and everything else i think the spectacle and back on the big screen would have carried me that first viewing but this second viewing yes and again i spent more time on this category than any other and i was really struggling <laughs> no and i think it's a good pick it's a good pick he just kept popping into my head tenor well, i think I, I remember our review of it it was like you know like looks good like it's all nice and shiny and well put together but that's like after about 10 minutes of watching you know the the premise it was all right kind of over it like there wasn't really much to it and uh, you know a lot of the audience would have been saying you know you know are very very hard to follow and it's like that's not where i what i struggled with i didn't struggle with following the film and understanding yeah, it, it was just yeah, yeah well, i found it i found it quite easy to follow actually not to pop my own horn but um i was just like no nah, it's not really that exciting one last thing i'll say about it before we move on <laughs> in our house i'm the one with the remote that is in control of the volume kids right. are in bed down the hall yeah. so when there's talky bits i'll turn it up and when there's loud bits, I'll turn it down. And this, the sound on this movie, and it's been criticised for it, it's just all over the place. Oh, then, so you were like trigger happy with the up and down, code. up and down, because yeah. I know it's talking really quietly, and then boom, you get these big noises. But then I'm watching it with my wife, who's not seen it before. Again, I'd watched it fairly recently the first time, so I'm kind of like spoiling it for a little bit because oh, okay there's going to be an explosion or something loud because he's turning it down again <laughs> but anyway that was our own personal experience so let's move on from overrated to most underrated movie and i'll let you go first again all right i'm going for i mean underrated you you want to pick something that sort of you really liked but it was not many people were talking about it and what i found uh, for well, this was the case for this movie, Greenland. Um, this is a disaster film directed by Rick Roman Wall. Uh, the film follows a family who must fight for survival as a planet destroying comet races to Earth. This has Gerard Butler, Marina Baccarin starring in it. I was thinking this would be a pretty, you know, just a fun Saturday night, you know, disaster movie that, you know, you know, there'll be silly you know like they'll be trying their luck just escaping at the last minute cliches left right and center this movie is not that it's it's something 
something different. It's, um, I was like captivated, which is crazy for a disaster movie. I just, we don't see that often. Um, but not enough people are talking about this movie. Um, I don't think the reviews for it are actually bad at all. Yeah. But there's not many of them. There's it not did, many, not many people saw it. It did seem to come and go. I kind of thought with this movie, and I have watched it, it was going to be Mike Banning from Olympus Has Fallen punching yeah. asteroids. It's not that. <laughs> it's not that. It's carrying his family like through yeah, explosions. It's pumping times, over giant cracks. And, it's quite hard to watch. Like it really is because it's because not big, it's not big and silly. Like it's really like you're following real people in a yeah. really scary situation. So I like you thought. Like Saturday night, let's put a movie on. A bit of fun. <laughs> Jerry Butler has got a new movie out, and you're watching. Like, oh God, this is I'm feeling so anxious. Watching this, this is movie. full on. This is full on. But you know what? I appreciate that just as much. So like, oh, now look at yeah. so good as movie, a reckon is. Not one of the best movies of the year, but I think uh, I really, really enjoyed it. it. It's up there, and I think more people need to see it. So, if anything, there's a recommend for you. Similar to overrated, when doing underrated, the same movie kept popping into my head, and I stopped fighting it, and I put it on the list. It's an interesting one, though. It's a Netflix movie, and because of that, they tend to get decent audience scores, and the numbers are there because people have got the convenience of watching at home and everything else. But the movie I'm going to is one that I really enjoyed. And we did review it. It's The Wrong Missy. Oh, for crying out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Critically, like Rotten Tomatoes, they got it down at 33%. So it is, it is quite still low. still too high. So when... <laughs> so when so the, the critics are scoring it low. So I'm more going that angle audience score is high but people do tend to think oh well i watched it at home it was good enough or whatever else so the audience score is better than the the critic score uh, but it's a movie that I, I enjoyed it was on my radar early doors i'm a fan of david spade and i was following the progress of this movie and talked you into reviewing it with me which meant you had to watch it also if you're unfamiliar, and again, I think most people have Netflix that have seen this movie, disaster strikes when a man invites his dream girl to an island resort, but a previous blind date shows up instead. And she is, of course, the wrong Missy. I like it when Spade is big and zany, but he's essentially the straight man in this film. And I had fun with it. It was a, it was a fun little movie. So the wrong Missy. I mean, yeah, good premise, and you're right. David Spade is—it's—it's it's good to see him sort of play play it straight. But I've shared my thoughts on this movie. I, I feel your pain. We <laughs> we uh, we have talked about it at length. I think we spent at least twenty minutes talking about that movie. <laughs> it was at least twenty minutes, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, moving on to best kids slash animated slash family movie of. 2020 i'll go first with this one previously whenever we've done this i've always gone straight to a kids movie or family movie whereas this time i've focused on animated so my pick number two superman man of tomorrow directed by chris palmer 
Young Clark Kent works as an intern at the Daily Planet while learning how to save the city of Metropolis. I watched and thoroughly bloody loved this movie. And we talked about it when we did our review. Hopefully it's the start of another shared continuity. But if it only ends up being this movie, I'm happy with that also. It's just a really fun take on the character's origins. And I think, you know, both of us had a lot of fun with it. And it's a really, really entertaining movie. So this is not a theatrical DC movie. This is one of their uh, home release movies, whether it's digital, DVD or Blu-ray. It's a lot of fun. Interestingly... Rotten Tomatoes, it's currently sitting at 100%. Wow, okay, cool. Very, pretty, very nice. Pretty high. And I think I gave it five out of five. And if I didn't, I should <laughs> It is, it's a, a solid, again, like it's a fresh take on the character's origin. We all know Superman, but this is young Clark Kent. And it's a lot of fun. There's other characters from DC Law in there as well. It's a good movie. Really, really good movie. What is your number two? Uh, for my number two, so I went more with... I didn't. This isn't quite like the best movie, but I had, I had such a good time with it. It's just one of my favourite movies of the year. One of my favourite, uh, I guess, kids' movies or family movies. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh. I'm doing it. This action-adventure comedy film... Uh, based on the Sonic video game franchise, published by published by Sega. Uh, it's directed by Jeff Fowler. I've got Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic, and Jim Carrey stealing the show as Doctor Robotnik. Um, you know the the video game movie curse. They're all shit. Like, let's just admit it. They're all, all pretty of them. bad. Not Mortal Kombat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the majority of them are pretty bad. Yes, I agree. Mortal Kombat. Isn't that great? So let's not get too Pretty excited. Pretty spectacular. I watched it again recently. But this, this movie, you know what? They did it. They, they did it. They captured Sonic. They put him on screen and they gave it to me. And I just had a good time, you know? Like, right before the pandemic here, I got to go and watch Sonic the Hedgehog on the big screen. This blue little guy zipping around. It was great. It was, it was a fun time. Like I said, not the best you know, movie of the year or anything like that or anything close, but one of my, one of my funnest memories at the movies this year. And Jim Carrey. So good. Yeah. If you were a fan of Jim Carrey in the nineties and you've missed that Jim Carrey, you've not seen Sonic for whatever reason, watch Sonic. Classic Jim Carrey over the top. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this movie and I actually watched it again recently so i've not seen it twice it's on prime at the moment and sat down and watched it with my kids and it's it's a fun movie like it really is a fun movie and yeah it's it's a lot of fun so i'm, I'm glad that you've um, got it on your on your list number one for me i kind of had to put it when we reviewed it it was our last review so i couldn't know like, you know, we both spoke so highly about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like a 4.5. So for it not to be anywhere on my list would be ridiculous. This is the movie that Disney Plus put out on Christmas Day. Oh, it's such a well-crafted movie. The, the visuals, the voice cast, the story, it is, it is a lot of fun. 
I tell you what it's about, but I think everybody is familiar with Saul. In fact, you know what? If you're not familiar with Saul, I give a quick run through. <laughs> Just that Jason's not the only one giving plot. Joe is a middle school band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected. His true passion is jazz and he's good. But when he travels to another realm to help someone find their passion, he soon discovers what it means to have a soul. Oh, it's excellent. Like the movie is, is excellent. And, and, you know, when we did our review, and again, it, it almost just happened a week ago, we did our review. <laughs> I watched it with my family, my kids, and all of us like, just had a good time with this movie. Quite heavy at times. <laughs> you know, it's you know, yeah. dealing with... Uh, Big, uh, big subject matter, but it's still a lot of fun. And Pixar doing what Pixar do best. You know, I'm glad you. I'm glad you picked this as your number one. Um, purely so, it is on a. It is on one of our lists. Uh, it would have been on my. I mean, it is such a like a fantastic film, and it like it does go to those mature levels, thematically talking about things and addressing stuff. Um, the reason I think in, in in my review or our review, I should say. Um, when we we're talking about it, a reason I sort of didn't give it full marks was because, as as well as things were sort of orchestrated and delivered to her, there was sort of like that um, emotional detachment that I had from the movie. It wasn't quite hitting me um, where I think it should have, but still a solid, fantastic film. So on that, just to make me seem like an idiot, I'm going with the other Pixar movie. Oh, onward, cool. onward. Uh, much like with Sonic, you know, like this movie, you know, you've got the adventure, you've got the action, you've got the cartoony characters, you've got the you've got Tom Holland and Chris Pratt delivering voices. Um, so this urban fantasy adventure film produced by Pixar Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures, um, it's set in a suburban fantasy world. The film follows two elf brothers who set out on a quest to find an artifact that will temporarily bring back their dead father. Um, as fun and goofy, you know, and all the like mystical kind of in jokes that are throughout the movie, you know, it's, it's all fun. But then it was one of the only movies, and I'll admit it, that actually made me cry at the end, like a little bitch, um, when. I mean, without revealing too much in case you haven't seen it, you want to watch it, but the revelation, I guess, and I guess it was glaring me in the face the whole time, but the revelation um, that Tom Holland's character has, um, I guess about, let's just say his family and we'll leave it there. Um, I, I, it, it choked me up. I was like, damn. And that's the emotional like uh, hit that I guess was missing from Soul that, I didn't get, again, Soul probably is the better film if I was to put it, you know, on paper. But for me, Onward, yeah, if a movie can make me shed some tears, it has my winning vote. So Onward, like, it's fun, emotional, good cast, good characters. Yeah, I liked it. I agree with everything you've said there. But when we did our review of Soul, I legit forgot Onward came out this year. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm not used to Pixar putting out two movies in one year. So we've both gone for different movies. Number one for both of us, Pixar. They're doing okay. I think Pixar have been doing two in, I think the year before, wasn't it like Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4 or something? Like it was... Oh, really? Okay. Is that that year? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it is hard to keep track and especially now... 
like Disney with, you know, it's Disney, Pixar, Pixar, not Disney, but it all kind of blends. And although the, the design, more so like with Soul, Pixar, when it's exclusively Pixar, I'm always going to have that edge. But a lot of the upcoming Disney CG animated movie are looking more and more Pixar now. Oh, they all just look the same, don't they? <laughs> like They're that uh, way. But again, but I, I mentioned that scene in particular during our review for Soul in the barbershop. And it's just incredible. You've got Curly the barber and, and everything else that's making up that scene. Like visually, it's just incredible. But then all the things you mentioned for Onward, like they've done two very different movies, yet here I am, I'm picking one of them as number one, and you're picking, picking the other one as number one. Yeah, that's again, it. Pixar, so Pixar wins. Okay. So <laughs> wins let's, again. Let's stop for a moment praising films. And let's, <laughs> let's go through the worst movies of 2020. For this each, we will pick three. And I'll, I'll take the lead on this one. <laughs> I didn't see this film at the cinema. I waited to rent it, and I did. I paid money for it. Rented it on DVD. <laughs> Fantasy Island. <laughs> Holy crap. Now, I will, I will admit, this is not a TV show that I watched as a kid. Like, I think it was before my time. I know, right. I know of it. But then Blumhouse come along, and they're like, oh, we're going to put a horror spin on Fantasy Island. You're like, oh, wow. That, I know enough about the show. That could be interesting. The film's shit. And, and I was curious. I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes. 7%. That's so and clearly it. not the only one. If you're unfamiliar with the movie or the TV series, <laughs> a mysterious man invites a group of lucky guests to his secretive resort to fulfill their darkest fantasies. However, when people start arriving, things take a unexpected turn. If you've never seen the movie, that's all you need to know. Just, just let it go. Don't watch it. <laughs> it's it's a shocker. It's a shocker. But I it's, found not, it's, it's not my number one, though. It's number three. So things do get worse from here. But that is my <laughs> number three. I, I found myself, you know, like, I could in, enjoy bits of it enough that I, I, I don't hate it as much as obviously you do. But you're right. It's not... It's not good. It's, it's not Blumhouse's best. And it, you know, it's like obviously bigger budget. Like it's one of their higher end ones. This movie should have it should have done well, and but I guess it's hard to translate. Like the the premise works better as a TV show. You know, an hour block of something happening, or only a few characters, and and not like twists and turns and full on. I don't know. It's, yeah, no, it wasn't great. I want to give, before I give my number three, I just want to, I broke the rules a little bit. I just want to give an honorable mention. I won't go into it, but I just wanted to point out once again that Force of Nature, that Michael oh, Polish yes. movie with <laughs> Mel Gibson and yeah. that other guy. Yeah, somebody and else. Is it Kate Bosworth that's in oh, it? Emil Hirsch. He's in Emil there. Hirsch. Kate Bosworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. So just a shocker of a movie. Yeah, just it's shocker. bad. It's bad. Yeah. Just wanted to, as an honourable mention, mention hey, that. But we, my number three. So before we go, <laughs> let's just let's just talk a little bit. And we, we've done a full review, but we, I think, I said when we did our review of Force of Nature, that if not, if what was happening in the world wasn't happening, this would have been the director home release. Surely, 
I don't yeah. think this would have been a theatrical <laughs> movie. It's just not at all. Not good enough. It's not good enough. And they jumped on the opportunity. There's nothing else else. Let's put it. It's marketed as a Mel Gibson movie. I mean, he's in it, but he's not the main guy. (laughs) Anyway, honourable mention. Let's. We've already spent too much time. My number three is Scoob. Oh no. The computer animated mystery comedy film based on Hanna Bar is it Hanna Barbera? Hanna Barbera. I Hanna used Barbara. to think it, anyway. Yeah, I used to think it was Hanna Barbera, but apparently Hanna Barbera. Hanna Barbera. Yeah, Hanna Barbera's Scooby Doo franchise. Um, you know, we've got the voices of Will Forte, Gina Rodriguez, Zac Efron, Amanda Seyfried, Mark Wahlberg, and Jason Isaacs. For some reason, um, <laughs> like this should have been a like a, a full-on celebration of Scooby-Doo and Friends and all that. And I like the idea that they wanted to start this sort of joint universe of uh, these Hanna Barbera characters and, and stories and stuff like that. But this film follows the formation of the friend, uh, the formation and the friendship of Mister Incorporated, and how they are then joined by Dino Mutt and Blue Falcon to solve their most challenging mystery related to the origin and the true purpose of their own mascot, in conjunction with Dick Dastardly's spooky plot to unleash Cerebus, a monstrous three-headed ghost dog, upon the world. This movie is ridiculous, <laughs> like. And I don't know. I didn't find it funny. I didn't find the characters likable. I didn't find the relationship between Shaggy and Scooby any, like, I don't know. There was just nothing to it. And then you've got all these other bonus characters, which should have been really fun. Just like it led to nothing. And then the resolution to the movie, I was, I don't even understand how they solved the problem, but it all Scooby-Doo was like the chosen one or some shit. Maybe it was crap. It doesn't appear anywhere on my list. So I'll um, I'll reveal that now. <laughs> I I think I enjoyed it more than you. But you mentioned the cast. The cast is incredible. But what I will say, it's not necessary. The same exactly. Team, no, they're fantastic. But they, they are the same. Why are they team there? Of voice artists have continued to work on these direct to home release Scooby Doo cartoons. You know, I'm talking Matthew Lillard. As a as Shaggy, they're nailing it in these in these movies, and it's still happening. Like, like I think Frank Welker was still was still in the movie. Which as, yeah, as no, that's true. That's true. But these animated movies are still <laughs> are still happening. So we talked about it in our review. It left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth that Warner Brothers are obviously paying these DVD actors what they're paying them, or the home release actors. <laughs> And then they think, oh, we've got a big franchise, so let's spend more money on these bigger actors. And maybe it'd have worked better if they used those same actors. I don't know. But Scoob, it's it's not a Scooby-Doo movie. They clearly wanted to start a shared Hanna-Barbera universe, and it just it just didn't happen. But I thought for what it was, it was fine. But I can't see it being anything more than just that solo movie because... It, it just didn't happen. And even if, you know, there was no COVID and it had a standard theatrical release, I don't think that would have changed things much. You know what, the opening credits of the movie. That was a highlight. Yeah, that, that was, was good. It. That was good. I, I, that found, was... <laughs> I found things to like. I mean, I like Will Forte. But again, for me, 
Matthew Lillard is is Shaggy. I know he's not the original <laughs> Shaggy, but since the live action movies, he's pretty much been Shaggy in all animated iterations of Scooby Doo, except for Scoob. So my number two, it's a movie that I I started watching earlier in the year, and I think I maybe got ten minutes into it. And I rented it on DVD, <laughs> and I couldn't continue, and I stopped. You have to and finish was, it to qualify. And I, was getting, <laughs> and I was getting towards the end of the year, and I noticed that the movie had been added to Prime. So I thought, you know what? Oh, okay. And I didn't even like carry on from 10 minutes in. I went back to the beginning, just to give the movie the benefit of the doubt. I'm talking about Like a Boss. It's the movie starring Rose Byrne. Tiffany Haydish, who else is in there? Salma Hayek, terrible. I admit, I don't think I'm the audience, but I did not have a fun (laughs) time with this movie. Mel and Mia, two friends with different ideals, run a cosmetics company where they soon face a financial crisis. When a business magnet offers to buy them out, their friendship is tested. I went into this because I usually like Rose Byrne in movies and always like Tiffany Haydish, even in movies like, I don't know, The Kitchen, but I, I like her in movies. And no, this movie just fell, fell flat for me. Uh, looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at 21%. So that's obviously higher than Fancy Island, but this is a movie that it finished and I was just glad that it was over. Have you seen this movie? Uh, I've got to say, unfortunately, I have not watched it. So um, good, so good. With your glowing review, <laughs> probably won't. <laughs> you might think, you know what? It's on Prime. It's a, you know, it's a, it's about ninety minutes. I could maybe, you know, we'll just give it a quick watch. No, not good. I mean, look, sometimes, sometimes we disagree. So maybe if I mean, I've avoided it this like that. I like far, the but... cast. There is a couple yeah. of gags in there. I can see what they're going for. It just doesn't quite work. Anyway, like a boss, number number two. My number two is The Grudge. Now this, uh, I mean, what we thought was a reboot ended up being a sidequel of the 2004 film and the two direct sequels, The Grudge and The Grudge, whatever they were called. Uh, this stars Andrea Riseborough and John Cho and some other actors. Uh, Sam Raimi's even one of the producers. Um, oh, Nicholas Hesh, director, should give him all the credit. This movie, <laughs> like, I mean, uh, horrors can be bad, but this one, I was, I was just like, nah, this didn't work on any no, level for no, me. Yeah, same for me. Uh, yeah, we did our review. We did do a review. Didn't oh, we? that's right, we, we did. did. Yeah, when um, you know, I wish, when we did our, our thank yous at the beginning, we should have probably mentioned for a time for three months. We were co-producing, not really the right term, but we were putting out content in conjunction with Video Easy. And during that... Oh, time, yeah, that was a thing we did last year. That's something that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, we, we did the grudge in line with the home release or when it was available to rent. So, yeah, we actually did did the grudge. So you're right, yeah, okay, that, that's why it's familiar. Maybe me, maybe because we hated on the grudge, we had to stop doing that. <laughs> I think we really went to talent, didn't it? I think the whole point was that we were promoting movies to rent. Anyway, that that's the thing that happened last year. 
I le- legit <laughs> forgot that was a thing. Uh, when I was doing my top three, it was either going to be Fantasy Island or The Grudge, and it was close. So I'm glad that I picked Fantasy Island so you could now speak mm-hmm. about The Grudge. So we can mix it up. That's all I gotta say. About okay, you're done. Good. Uh, okay. My okay. So my number one, and I'm keeping it horror. Now, there's two reasons why I really dislike this film. <laughs> the first reason <laughs> is it's not very good. And the other reason, it spoiled season two of the haunting of Bly Manor for me. Because one of the main story oh, elements of Bly this Manor is terrible. Yeah. Turning of the shrew. And that's a, that's <laughs> the main Influence or the main story running through season two of well, it's not season two of it, it's an anthology series, but The Haunting of Blind Manor. After The Haunting of Hill House a couple of years ago, I was really looking forward to the next entry into the Haunting franchise, but unfortunately, unknowingly, I spoiled it for myself because I'm watching Blind Manor and things are happening, and I'm thinking to myself, why do I know exactly what's going to happen next? because <laughs> I watched The Turning, which in itself is a an adaption, one of the many adaptions of Turning of the Shrew, and it's bloody shit. Finn Wolfhard's in there, one of the kids from Stranger Things. It's, it's just an absolute shocker. It really, really is. And I'm not even going to tell you what it's about, because if you haven't yet watched Blind Manor, it would just ruin the thing for you. It's <laughs> it's just not a good film. And um, all my uh, worst films of the year, I was just checking with Rotten Tomatoes just to see if I was off the mark at all. They've got it sitting at twelve percent. Yeah, and it's pretty. It's a bit of a shocker that one. And like the ending, the ending. Oh, oh my god! But again, without giving details, no. it was just like, all right. <laughs> It's number one for me because one, it's a shit film, and two, it spoiled the TV show for me that I was looking forward to. So, what's your what's your number one? <laughs> well, if we were if we were to do, we should do. Now nah, we have too many categories, but if we did like most disappointing TV series, that's up there. Really on the like Blind Manor. Oh, it's up there, fortunately. I think um, because it was so up there yeah. in anticipation, and then such a letdown. Such a letdown. It's because that first a- season was a horror story and the second season was a love story that's the Ah. big distinction what a letdown still look great don't get me wrong (laughs) some terrible (laughs) British accents my number one um, worst movie for 2020 is Artemis Fowl oh yeah that's that's pretty crap (laughs) (laughs) thanks for your agreeance here. <laughs> this uh, science fantasy adventure film based on the 2001 novel of the same name by Irish author uh, Ian Colfer is directed by Kenneth Branagh. Blows my mind that he he put this together. Artemis Fowl II is a 12-year-old Irish prodigy who teams up with his faithful servant as well as a dwarf and a fairy in order to rescue his father, Artemis Fowl I, who has been kidnapped by another fairy looking to reclaim an item the Fowl family has stolen. We've got Colin Farrell, Judy Dench, and Josh Gad in some major roles here. I'm not even going to credit the kid who plays Artemis Fowl. Because I don't like it. No, I don't like the I don't like the character. Like so your lead character is so unlikable. Um the plot makes no sense. 
and then this movie doesn't even have a third act. I don't understand this movie. It's bonkers. It really is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a thing that happened. But it's just let this be the last time we talk about it. (laughs) There was like a MacGuffin that was introduced, like in the middle of the second act, which ended up being the third act, and that was a whole thing. And then the movie has the audacity to tease a future movie or a sequel. God damn it. One's enough for me. At least we got to watch <laughs> it at home on Disney+. Plus. This would have been a colossal disappointment on the big screen, which was clearly their intention when they set out making this movie. This just made me angry because at this stage it was like, Disney Plus, what have I paid for? <laughs> One season of The Mandalorian at this stage and that Jeff Goldblum show. That's it. And Noel. <laughs> the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Let's give the show the full credit it deserves. <laughs> oh, but, so, yes. Where is that second season? Where Still is waiting. It's gonna be it's gonna be this year. Okay, let's um let's let's stop. Let's go back to praising things. Let's let's go through our list of best movies of 2020 when COVID first hit early in the year and it looked like cinemas were going to be closing and productions going on halt we we joked could bad boys for life potentially be the best movie of the year the highest (laughs) grossing movie of the year it's my number three it is my number three i am i had such high hopes for this sequel being a big fan of one and two and the third one for me on the big screen delivered and then at home when I rented it, watched it for the second time, still really enjoyed it that second time. You've got detectives Mike Lowry, Marcus Burnett, join Miami Police Department special team ammo to bring down the ruthless Armado, who is on a mission to kill Mike at his mother's, Isabel's behest. It sounds... For me going in, I wanted to like Bad Boys 3, but I I was a bit worried. I was looking forward to it, but I was worried because it had been so many years. We'd not really seen Martin Lawrence for a while. Uh, But when this movie came around, I had so much fun with it. The the chemistry is still there, and, and it's a really fun movie. So when I was looking back on the year, not just films that I'd seen on the big screen, but rewatched again at home, Bad Boys for Life is one that I kept coming back to. It was a lot of fun. It is my number three. Yeah, like when when I was going into Bad Boys for Life, my expectations were so low. I was like, look, maybe we'll have a bit of fun with it, but I'm not expecting much at all. It'll probably be pretty rubbish. I was so pleasantly surprised. Uh, this movie actually blew me away. Um, such a great time with it. These two guys, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, back just slipping on those shoes, return to those characters all these years later. And it's like, it's like we never left them. Um, and, you know, this, this movie plays with a few fun things and, you know, there's a few little plot things and reveals and stuff. I'm like, okay, the action's still there. The comedy's still there. Um, and that's why I've also got Bad Boys for Life as my number three. Oh, wow. Okay. This is the <laughs> first time it's happened. You know, the thing with the title, though, opening weekend, it was strong. And, and obviously, you know, the powers that be recognized that. So they quickly announced a fourth Bad Boys movie. And you've got to <laughs> yeah. think they were kicking themselves over the fact that they'd already used Bad Boys for life. That would have been a great 
fourth entry. But anyway, we've got the title already. We've got the movie already. And wow, okay. Okay, so we've both got it as number three. Interesting. And my, my number two, The Invisible Man, directed by Lee Winnell. This was the last movie I watched at the cinema before things got dark. <laughs> so for me, I, I, I went from Invisible Man and had to wait until Unhinged with Russell Crowe. But this movie, Invisible Man, was fantastic. This is like a, a fresh take on the universal uh, monsters. They tried it a couple of years ago, Tom Cruise, The Mummy. I did enjoy that, but that was more action than horror. With this film, they're going for more of a sci-fi angle. But it's just, it's, it's incredible. Um, Elizabeth Moss, she absolutely makes this film. A lot of the time... The Invisible Man, he's not really there. And this is another Blumhouse production, <laughs> unlike Fantasy Island, though. This is a really, really good movie. But she makes you believe that Invisible Man is present. And it is, it is such a solid, solid performance from her. But the world that they, they build, Winnell, we spoke about it before on the podcast, whether it's going back to Saw, and more recently, Upgrade, is definitely someone to, to keep keep a watch on. Invisible Man, it's it's bloody great. If you've not seen yeah, it, this... you should you should have. You've got Cecilia. She's got an, an abusive ex boyfriend who fakes his death and becomes invisible to stalk and torment her. She then begins experiencing strange events and decides to hunt down the truth all on on her own friends doubt her you got great visual story points it's it's a solid a solid movie all around and again as well as lee winnell's direction it comes down to the performance given by by moss she's absolutely fantastic in this yeah it's it, it is fantastic you're right. like Elizabeth moss amazing uh this movie was made uh, for peanuts, man. Like, and uh, this model really works. You don't need much to to make such a a big film. Um, they knocked it out. They were getting things done um, with this movie. Uh, it works as a sci-fi. It works as a horror. It works as the, like a drama. It's it's all it's all there, and it's a it's a good package. Um, great film. Great film, uh, dare I say, perfect. Uh, my number two, I'm going with um, a smaller film. Well, Invisible Man was small, but big at the same time. But uh, this actual small film, Vivarium. This is a science fiction horror film. It stars Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg, directed by Lorcan Finnegan. Uh, this is a weird-ass, bloody movie. Um, Odds are you probably haven't seen it. Um, hoping to find the perfect place to live, a couple travel to a suburban neighbourhood in which all the houses look identical. But when they try to leave the labyrinth-like development, each road mysteriously takes them back to where they started. This movie is like a mind... Try not to swear, but it, it messes with, with your head. Um, and especially, especially like... You know, with everything that happened in 2020, you know, we've got people in isolation, people trapped in their homes. This movie is like, uh, 
claustrophobic just nightmare but at the same time what an adventure you know these people they're trapped literally trapped in this it's things like time isn't moving they can't go anywhere you know like they will walk to the end of the street and they just end up back at their house again um they'll try and drive dig their way out climb whatever and they'll just end up in this bizarro kind of trap that they're in it, it's mental and there's some freaky imagery um one of jesse eisenberg's best films i reckon and he's done he's done a fair few out there so yeah smaller film big recommend that's my number two well and you have recommended it on the podcast before it's still on my to-do list and i've seen the trailer it looks intense but i um, it, it's i'll check it out especially if it's your number two for the year well, my number one, I'm just going to jump in before you do your number one because I feel like I shouldn't, uh, I don't want to leave us on a whimper. My number one is The Invisible Man. So, <laughs> wow, we're there so, it is. We're so close this year. I mean, less Ooh. movies, so there's you know better odds, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, as a disclaimer, of course, we've got less movies to work with. Odds are, if some of the movies that had come, well, were supposed to come out had come out, maybe these movies wouldn't be in this top three or in this bunch as it stands the invisible man to me you know i was just praising it seconds ago yeah best movie of the year it's probably it's the only movie that came out in 2020 that i've watched twice um and i think even on the second time i was like this is still so bloody good um but we spoke we've spoken at length about the invisible man so yeah number one for me that's it my number one, I had a bit of a panic because <laughs> my number one, and I had it all planned, The Gentleman, directed by Guy Ritchie. And then I was just looking up to get some additional information online, and the release date that came up was 2019. That's <gasps> where the panic came from. But when I looked into it, in the UK, they got, like, they got it early for a couple of weeks. But outside of the UK worldwide including australia we got it the first of january of 2020 yeah we so qualified got it 2020 yeah. yes i know but initially when i was just looking it up and in brackets <laughs> it had 2019 i'm like no i've built my top three around the gentleman i thought i was gonna have to review the whole thing and and if that was gonna be the case then i think i'd have had to move it all up and i would have had invisible man as number one but no the gentleman this is a movie that I watched with my wife. Her only movie at the cinema this year. Like She's not a big cinema goer. She watches movies at home. That's why I watch a lot of movies twice within the year. <laughs> but this it. film... So she, she started her year good. She was like, oh, she what movie I'm going to watch? Like, it's yeah, not going to get better She was like, it's I'm done. I'm done for the year. See you in 2021. We, <laughs> uh, both of us just absolutely love this movie i'm a fan of guy ritchie and and his movies this film had a solid cast matthew conhey charlie hunnam hugh grant in this film is insane with hugh grant for the <laughs> most part you kind of know what you're going to get but but that's kind of that that thinking about hugh grant i think is getting a bit out of date because that that was hugh grant of old you know, four winnings in a funeral, Mickey Blue Eyes. You, know, you could just go on and on and list all these movies in his performance is essentially him, like doing Hugh Grant, whereas in The Gentleman, we're getting something very, very different and enjoyable. 
Um, if you're unfamiliar, you've got Mickey Pearson played by McConaughey. He's an American who becomes rich by building a highly profitable marijuana empire in London. When word gets out that he's looking to cash out of the business, it soon triggers an array of plots and schemes, including bribery and blackmail from shady characters who want to steal his domain. It is classic Guy Ritchie, and I loved every minute of it. It is such a fun movie. It's funny. You've got action, drama. It's, it's, all, it's all in there. And I think it was my first or second movie that I watched at the cinema in 2020. It was either The Gentleman or Doolittle. I can't quite remember, but one of those <laughs> movies was bloody awful, and it wasn't The Gentleman. <laughs> that is my number one pick for the year. Yeah, no, that is a, that's a great pick, and that was close to being uh, in my top three. Definitely one of the best movies of the year. I think the first movie I watched in 2020 at the cinema was 1917. I think I, that was obviously a 2019 film, but then The Gentleman, I think, it was just a couple of days later, so... On the end, yeah, it was it was a good one. Great way to start the year. Looked like it was going to be a promising year. Oh, didn't it? But 1917, I dropped the ball there. <laughs> I rented it. I watched it at home like a sucker. You got to see oh, no, it as it was intended to be seen on the big screen. But do you know what? If uh, we had done our year in review, I think 1917 would have been in my top three for 2019. But I think we hadn't. I hadn't watched it by the time we had done the review or something right. like that. Yeah. Things unfolded in a certain way. I don't know. Okay, most anticipated movie of 2021. And we can both have two picks with this one. And we'll continue to alternate. It's been working pretty pretty well for us. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll go first because this is going to be fairly quick. I think, in fact, my number one and my number two are extremely predictable, if you know anything about me. Number two, The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn. The further adventures of Harley Quinn, Rick Flagg, and they're a team of assembled villains. This movie will be in cinemas and on HBO Max August 6th. Just like they did with Wonder Woman 84. For me, I'll be seeing it on the big screen. Looking forward to a Suicide Squad film which I never thought I'd be saying on the back of that first movie, which was not the best. <laughs> Mate, my number two is The Suicide Squad. <laughs> oh, come on. Wow, this is going to be yeah, a quick end to the, end of the, the, uh, the rest of the show. Well, I mean, just like you, like following that first Suicide Squad, I'm like, I don't need any more of this. But everything that James Gunn is doing, or from what we can see he's doing with this, looks like a completely different ball of wax the character lineup that he's got, um, you know, you can see sort of what he's done previously and take Guardians of the Galaxy, for instance, if it's something like that, but with that DC flavor, crank it up a notch. Hell, even if it pushes and gets that R rating, just because that's how it ends up being like, it looks like it's going to be a hell of a good time. So I'm it seems like the most unique of the comic book movies coming up in 2021. Um, but this year, you know, like we've got a whole, a whole bunch of movies that were meant to come out last year that are coming out this year. And with a lot of them, you know, like, you know, Bond or Black Widow, it's like the, the anticipation has sort of 
fizzled a little bit purely because the bastards have made us wait. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's been out of Not their fault. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. No, I, I get it. But, you know, if, it um, is... I just find the anticipation has fizzled. Yes. If all, if all the movies come out as planned this year, when we do our next year in review, it is going to be insane. I think it'll I'm be already too tired. I'm already our first to fire. I'm thinking about it now. Right? I think so. My number one most anticipated movie of 2021. I think it was actually my most anticipated movie last year. And I'm talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, directed by Jason <laughs> yeah. Reitman. I honestly think Fair enough. my number Fair one, enough. and it's been bumped a whole year. If you're unfamiliar with the story, and I'm sure I. <laughs> I talked about it last time. When a single mother and her two children move to a new town, they soon discover that they have a connection to the original Ghostbusters and their grandfather's secret legacy. Yeah, Ghostbusters. A year on, still waiting, still excited. That's my I'm glad, that's my number one. I'm glad the excitement's still there and you have it. Is still, you of course it is. Like, I've had the excitement of Ghostbusters my whole life. <laughs> in general good, good. do you know what if if not for the if not for the pandemic there was a movie that was meant to be coming out in 2021 and it would have been my pick for my most anticipated and that is jurassic world dominion sons of bitches universal pushed it back not just one year no not just a couple of months they pushed it back a whole one year i should say so not till 2022 so maybe oh no wow our next year in review, we will, yeah, man, they've pushed back so far. It's wow, outrageous. It's, so it, for me, hang on, hang on though. But isn't it shot? It was scheduled. They've, 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 they've finished, haven't they? They filmed it. They filmed it. Yeah, it's but all... they, want, they want the confidence to release it when it can thrive. So they bumped it from, okay. I think it was June 2021 to 2022. Also June, I think. A whole year. Outrageous. Outrageous. But so for me, uh, my number one pick, well, let me just start with saying we've got three Spider-Man movies coming out technically. We've got Morbius, we've got Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and then we've got this untitled Spider-Man 3 movie. So it's going to, you know, if I don't get my dinosaurs, at least I've got me some Spidey action and villainous friends. Um, But for me, I'm going to go with this untitled Spider-Man 3 MCU film whatever it may be there's heaps of rumors i hope none of them are true i just want what simple are the curious all these you know andrew garfield toby Maguire. okay yeah yeah. there's some rumors spider-man live action into the spider i I know we've got these returning villain actors and stuff so that part's not a rumor yeah yeah no they're confirmed but that can still be just these actors are playing these characters again. Whatever. I don't want this multiverse stuff. Not yet, anyway. It's happening. Want... You, you need to blame Lord and Miller having such success <laughs> with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I and, think my anticipation... Sony was... are like, you know what? There's an appetite for this. Let's give it them in live action. Sorry, Tom Holland. I'm, I'm hoping they just tease the shit out of it in this third movie and then I can be like... <laughs> Ah, we didn't get it, suckers. And then we get it in like this fourth movie, this big event. That's fine. Just I don't think we're ready for it. I think it's no. just it's just too full on. 
Um, yeah. But look, my anticipation, a part of it, not only you know the next Spider-Man movie, but I think I just want to know everything that's going on. I want all these rumors to be laid to rest or to actually know what this movie's about. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have a title yet. It doesn't yeah. have a teaser, nothing. And we're getting this, uh, I think in December, it's like going to be like a Christmas movie kind of thing. Yeah, I did so, hear that. Yeah, it's coming out in December. I did. Um, mm. So not Morbius then. That's like your <laughs> number one. I did. Um, <laughs> I did read as recent as today that Morbius. It's been delayed by about I think four or five months. So they're not confident enough to release. I think originally they were looking at April, so they pushed it back, maybe at August. Uh, so that was just announced it today. Was- yeah, it was always still supposed to come out before Venom, though. Once, I don't know what connective tissue there's going to be, oh, and I think I as a whole, forgot about that. We are they crossing watch, over? We need to watch another Venom movie, don't we? At some point, bloody hell! Yeah. So not all See, delays are bad. <laughs> <laughs> not all delays are bad. <laughs> <It does. laughs> okay, well, uh, that's know. it for our year in review, twenty twenty. Not quite as big as recent years in content, but I'm sure. I'm not quite sure how long we've been talking, but it's been a while. <laughs> but we've, uh, we've, we had uh, fun. We've it was it. a fun year, wasn't it? <laughs> I, had a, I had a good time. It was, it's always a good time looking on the year. But then I do feel a little bit of a pressure when doing the prep, when picking um, what's what. But it's interesting, <laughs> you know, I said earlier that with our best movies, we're very similar, very similar this year. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I guess with a small pool, odds were odds were higher um but i mean yeah what a what a crazy i mean the biggest thing that happened i guess was covid and how it affected again in in, within our movie sphere just how that affected distribution and is sort of changing the landscape going forward hopefully not by too much you know we love the movie going experience um hopefully it doesn't change too much with things hopefully you can all get back on track and return to how it was it's hard to say isn't it because it's still we're still in the pandemic like it's still an ongoing thing I mean, that's it we're very fortunate you know where we are in australia but it's sometimes still affecting you know everybody you know across the world with working vaccines and you know we, we you know we don't need to get into that but things are looking positive uh but film and TV, that's fun. Let's just focus on that. Let's just um, <laughs> look at a shiny thing in the corner. Let's let this distract us for a little bit longer. And we should probably give a quick plug to our upcoming shows. Uh, we have come back from our hiatus of a couple of months late last year. We put out Wonder Woman 1984, Soul. Uh, this episode will be going out on Friday, the 15th of January. But our next episode will be the latest DC animated movie, Batman's Soul of the Dragon. We'll be putting that out early February, but then we're going to wait until March when Coming to America, the sequel comes out on Prime Video. And that's when that film studio will be back proper having regular content. Yeah, I mean... A little bit to blame on my part, having a new baby in the house. I need a little bit more time to just uh, give him my full attention. We've uh, all done guess, it. We've all had babies. Yeah. 
and with the the year looks to be starting pretty slow there's not too much out there so i figure let's just let's just take a bit of a break take you know i mean you're still going to be going full steam with sounds like comics and i might squeeze out oh um, you at some point so sounds like comics we've got heat heaps of content like we've just we would have just released mandalorian season two we've got uh, Catwoman from 2004 coming, uh, Daredevil, <laughs> Ben Affleck, uh, the follow-up, all the quality first with uh, oh, Jennifer God. Garner. But we've got we've got heaps of stuff at Mars Attacks, Star Trek Discovery season two, and then yes, come March, coming to America, looks excellent. Looking forward to it. We will then be having regular content, which also includes the return of our movie show which is one that I'm very much looking forward to getting back into. Sounds good. Bring on 2021 at some point, I guess. <laughs> well, that's it. We really are at the end. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Film Stew podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All our episodes, including all the ones from 2020, can be found on our website, thatfilmstewpodcast.com. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that Film Stew. See you soon.